This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. We're going to get into part two of uh, passive transfer of immunity and uh, like failure of passive transfer today. I think this might, uh, the last episode ended up being a little bit long. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of things to like talk about and fold into that. I probably could have made that like two half hour episodes instead of like one 50 minute episode, but oh well you can pause and come back to it. Um, so this one going to talk about like colostrum. I'm going to talk a little bit more about colostrum quality because it's going to matter for like, you know, your goat kids and what you see and, um, kind of like basically the sequela of inadequate transfer of maternal immunity. Um, yeah, so that's what's going to come at you now, and we'll see how coherent I am. I'm, I don't have notes for this, so we'll see what happens. Thank you for listening. Thank you for saying hi on the internet. Uh, thank you for rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player app of choice. Um, if you have not done that and you can take a second to touch the thing on your touch screen probably phone or other listening device that is helpful to tell the artificial intelligence algorithm that has weaseled its way into our lives over the last decade that uh, people who like the things that you like like this podcast and then it might show them the podcast and then they too can enjoy it I I always feel like I make a comment about the internet artificial intelligence algorithm thing because I have like such, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, guys. Sorry. Um, I have such like a love hate relationship with how the internet shows me stuff that it thinks I want. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's right. Like I do want those coveralls and I do want those like, Star Wars jewelry things and like it's right I do want to listen to that podcast that's related to those other podcasts that I listen to it's kind of creepy um and I kind of you know you talk about like privacy and all that stuff but like I don't know it's kind of cool to see all the stuff that's out there in the world I don't know I don't know what to think about it whatever anyway it's 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 just so different than it used to be. I sound like an old person now. Anyway, um, if you'd like to say hi on the internet, you can find the website at goatdoc.com. You can find me on the Instagram at goat underscore doc. You can find me on clubhouse at goat underscore doc too. I think last time I said it was at goat doc. It's at goat underscore doc. So if you remember that one for the Instagram and the clubhouse, you should be all set. Uh, gonna try to do that. Um, I ended up being on the road this morning or this afternoon. Didn't really expect to be, um, but, uh, 
so I'm recording and I expected to be like doing some computer catching up, scheduling, emailing, talking to Patreon patrons this morning and that's not happening right now. It's like a gray day today and I'm glad because holy crap we need the rain which sounds so stupid because I've done nothing but complain about how muddy my yard is right now. I, I always hate it. Um, I always hate my birthday is in March so my birthday is coming up in like the next few days and I'm always like bitter about it because it's like I'm always in the barn and it's always muddy and it's always kidding season and I like don't get to like I mean it's coronavirus times now so I don't get to like get dressed up and go out and like have a weekend or whatever Although I have had some, like, fun kiddings happen on my birthday, so that's kind of special. But uh, why was I talking about that? Um, because I'm always complaining about March in Maine, and it's a muddy, muddy mess. And so it sounds stupid to say, like, oh, it's going to be so dry and we're going to have a really bad hay season. But, oh, it makes me nervous um, how little water there is around right now. And last year was really bad for hay, and I really don't want this year to be really bad for hay, too. So, fingers crossed, we're getting like, I don't know, half an inch of rain-ish today, and it's really warm, and but the sun isn't like beating down and evaporating anything, so positive spring weather thoughts. I, um, what else was I going to say about nothing related to the podcast? Um, I don't know. So, yeah, I was going to get some computer work done today but I didn't because I went to see some goats and now I am going to go to the Duluth store on the way home um, because I need some coveralls and I'm going to I'm a pretty staunch uh, Carhartt supporter and advocate but um, I'm gonna try out this Duluth thing and we'll see how it goes maybe I'll share on the Instagram and you can tell me about what kind of coveralls you like over there too Anyway, um, I think I said all those things about how to get in touch. Uh, Goat.cara at gmail.com is a really good way to get in touch with me, too. Um, I probably am going to have to do, like, a listener Q&A thing here in the future because I'm getting some cues that can have some A's. And maybe it's going to be more than one episode. We'll find out. If you are really liking the podcast and you'd like to support it by throwing a couple bucks a month, our way to support things like uh, podcast hosting and, you know, equipment and website hosting and all of these things, uh, you can check out the Patreon for the for the Goat Talk at uh, patreon.com slash goat, goat doc. Yes, I believe that's what it is. Or you can find it under uh, Connect on my website, GoDoc.com. Anyway, that's all of that stuff. I don't think I talked for too long about that stuff. And we'll get into talking about failure of passive transfer. So, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR, veterinarian client-patient relationship, with your local vet. So, we talked last time about the normal and, like, the successful like how the thing is supposed to work where goat kid baby goat in sterile uterus with no functioning immune system comes out into the world of 
a billion things that would just as soon chew it up and eat it in microorganism form. Uh, and how does it fend those off? It fends them off because it has antibodies from mom that it got via mom's colostrum and passive transfer of maternal immunity through the baby goat's gastrointestinal tract in the first 24 hours of its life. I feel like I just did a really good job like summing that up in one very long sentence. So, I mean, I spent like almost an hour or like, a, you know, 45 minutes talking about that in the last episode. And obviously there's a lot of like components involved in that whole process. Um, it seems like, you know, on the surface, it's a very simple thing. Like I've, I've probably said on the podcast in the past, like goat kids, you know, they like to live. Um, I disagree with people who say that goats like to find creative ways to die because in my experience in general, they really prefer living. Um, and they, um, it seems like this simple, simple thing, like baby goats, keep them warm and feed them. And generally they do well, like that's, it's pretty straightforward, but how, you know, like it gets messed up. It does. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of variables that can cause a problem with the passive transfer of maternal immunity. So what are those things? Um, like there's so many ways that baby goat can either not get colostrum at all or it can get inadequate colostrum and so like either not enough colostrum by volume or um not uh like the colostrum does not have enough antibodies in it to be like that useful um so, like, I mean, this is going to, some of these things I feel like this is, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's the thing of, like, you know, you feel like it should go without saying, but it needs to be said. Like, how, how does this get messed up? So, first of all, people can mess it up. Like, sometimes, like, people want to get in there and they want to, like, you know, we want to bottle feed the goat, you want to do the thing, you know, like we want to get our hands in there and get in the way of the normal process happening. And like, I mean, we do that. We pull all our kids and we bottle feed them. And I've talked about that in the past. I'm pretty sure it's in the goat kid nutrition episode, which is probably back in like the twenties somewhere. Um, we do that and we have reasons for doing that. And like we, just, you know, that's, that's how we function. But this is like, like the goat dairy is our life. Um, and more, you know, Devin's full-time thing is catering to these spoiled princesses. So like that, that's, that's the deal with us. You know, lots of times I think people don't realize that bottle feeding goat kids is a pretty big commitment. Um, and if you don't want that commitment, then don't do it. Like have your goat raise the goat kids. Um, there's reasons, you know, that we don't do it that way. And there's reasons to do it that way. And it just depends on like what your lifestyle is. But if you're going to get your hands in there and like mess with the natural order of things, then you have to make sure that you're following all those steps of like goat kid first 24 hours of life needs colostrum. 
period and needs enough colostrum so like if you are looking at colostrum or you're looking at the milk that comes out of your dough um, I just posted a picture on my Instagram this morning of like what colostrum looked like I don't remember which dough it was that I took a picture of um yeah don't remember at all but it's yellow. Like you can see, and I talked last episode about how you can see the actual like gross physical difference of the colostrum versus like the milk that we drink. Uh, so people like, and if you milk that dough, you know, we tend to start off milking by hand for the first couple of days and then we put, put them on a bucket and then we get, get them into the pipeline. Um, but the, if you are hand milking, it's very easy to see that pretty quick shift over like the first 36 to 72 hours of milking that the milk goes from being that yellow colostrum to being the white milk looking stuff. Um, the, so all of that yellow colostrum absolutely should go to your goat kids and it should happen in roughly the first 24 hours of life. Um, it's like there should be an appropriate amount for the number of goat kids that happened. You should like, if you want to like split it up, then you can do that. Um, or, you know, whatever. Like if the babies are nursing, then they should make, you know, having a visual on your baby's suckling in the first 24 hours of life is like the best thing if you are going to damn raise your kids. So yeah, so if you are getting your hands in there, you got to make sure that happens. If you are not getting your hands in there, then do the thing that I just said. Make sure that in the first 24 hours of life, you have a visual on that kid suckling, preferentially on its own mom that just had it. Now, so the problem, there's a, there's a problem, and that's not a human-related problem, is that, you know, goat behavior. Um, goats can be great. Goats can make you want to pull your hair out. Uh, they, you know, especially like first fresheners may need some help with saying, what is that thing that just came out of me? Why is it yelling at me? And why is it bonking me with its nose? And I hate it. Um, until the hormones kick in, which like nursing helps. So like you gotta, if you have to intervene there, if you want your kid to be damn raised and you need to intervene, then you do. And I tend to do it sooner than later because like moms tend to be like a hormone ridden, shell-shocked mess, especially sometimes first fresheners, especially if it was a hard kidding. Um, and they're kind of like, what the heck's going on? And they are like maybe a little bit more pliable to change their behavior. So uh, baby goats come out. Your first freshener is like running away from baby goats or trying to headbutt them or something. But the act of facilitating that goat kid to nurse is going to stimulate the release of oxytocin. And the oxytocin is going to make that doe have warm, fuzzy feelings for those little things that are suckling on her. So that is helpful, and sometimes you got to tie them up, and sometimes you got to get that goat kid and put its face right on the teat, um, and, and sometimes you have to intervene in that way, and sometimes you don't. The other thing about uh, goats is, like, we all tend to kid in my area. We mostly tend to kid a lot of goats in the spring, um, you know, because we're mostly working with, like, normal... Uh, 
like rhythm of you know being a seasonal what is a seasonal polyesterous animal um, being goats and we don't tend to mess too much with their reproductive cycle and we have we tend to have a lot of babies in the spring so we just follow what nature does because nature's smart like that and uh, but then so then you have the thing of like you have all these hormonal does and some of my does are baby stealers and some of them are baby haters so if you have a doe that kids and she's a baby stealer and let's say she kidded on Sunday and then you have a doe that kids and she's a baby hater and she kidded on Friday doe that kidded on Sunday and is a baby stealer like she just loves babies she wants to have everybody's babies she wants to steal them all and take care of them all they're all hers and baby hater doe is like yeah whatever I hate this thing take it away and it doesn't like we don't care about that at our place so we just we just look at these behaviors and we laugh because we're going to bottle raise all our kids anyway and it doesn't matter it does matter more to you if you're going to damn raise um and I do find that these behaviors tend to carry over from year to year. So if you got a doe that's a baby stealer, probably next year she's going to try to be a baby stealer too. And if you got a doe that's a baby hater, you, like, and you bottle feed her her kids, like next year she's just not she's still not going to care about those babies, and she's probably going to care even less. If you have a doe that's a baby hater, and she you want her to damn raise the babies, you, you're going to need to intervene and facilitate that probably at least the first time. Um, and if you if she's had an experience in the past where she kidded and you bottle fed her babies, and then the next year you want her to damn raise, it might be harder and you're going to have to accept that. Like, there's some things about goat behavior that is just like, it's just the way it's going to be. I'm sorry. I don't have a magic uh, bullet for that. Um, so the problem can happen that um, baby stealer who kidded on Sunday is right there when baby hater kids on Friday. And baby hater does not want anything to do with those babies. And let's say she kids in like 15 minutes at 3 in the morning between your goat checks. And you don't see them, whatever. You come out in the morning and baby hater had her kids and they're over there with baby stealer. Who And baby stealer's like, look, I've got more babies. I love it. Um, but you have no way of knowing how likely is it that baby hater let those kids nurse versus how likely is it that baby stealer let those kids nurse especially if you get out there and those kids are all like fat and happy um and baby stealer is like you know licking them and loving them and she's like this is the best day ever i have more babies you know you, you have no way of knowing unfortunately so I mean the best thing to do there is to be like okay we got to get some colostrum into you guys it's still that first 24-hour window let's do it um but you know you may not get as as good of a passive transfer of maternal antibodies to baby haters babies because they already filled up on baby stealers milk she was like, here you go, let's spawned. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is we talked about colostrum quality last time. And some goats just, like, don't have as robust a colostrum. We've, like, only just started looking at the colostrum quality, like, of, like, a half a dozen does in our herd. And it's, like, 
I mean, it's not all over the place. Like in general, the the majority of these things are their bricks is like off the charts. So it's like greater than 30%, which is kind of nice. Um, it's telling me that then so far also, these are like our older dose. So that we haven't had any first fresheners kid yet. We haven't had any second fresheners kid yet because these are all our AI does that kid early in the season. Um, and they're all, you know, like Yoko's 10 years old this year. She's retiring after this year, but, you know, her colostrum quality is 10 years of immunity going on. Um, so I would expect them to have a better quality colostrum. And it's been, like, greater than 30. Um, and it can be, so it can be less than that. So said last time, bricks 22% or better in cows is considered good quality colostrum. If it's less than that, it's not as good. So do they have to have more? Do you supplement them from another dough that had better quality colostrum? Um, either of those things I think is very appropriate, but it is something to be aware of. Um, the So they got the right volume of colostrum, but uh, they didn't, you know the colostrum quality, the amount of IgG in that colostrum was not as good as maybe somebody else's is, which, you know, just is the way it is. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say, and I was, cause I was listening to the last episode to make sure I didn't say anything stupid, um, is the one I was talking about, like the amount of colostrum to feed your baby goats. I was most, I, I realized that I needed to clarify that that's like per feeding. So if I've got like a nine pound goat kid, I want it to have at least eight ounces of colostrum, like right off the bat. And then I want it to have that three more times in the first 24 hours of its life. Uh, we tend to feed four times in the first 24 hours, first 24 to 48 hours. And then we go down to three for several days. Then we go down to two. Um, and it's that, that feeding a small frequent amount is really just a function of like, how big is that stomach? Um, how can I facilitate getting that, that colostrum in there and, um, keeping the GI happy without getting like a poopy milk butt? Cause if they overdo it, they tend to get a poopy milk butt. And usually that's just milk scours. And you can go listen to the episode about goat kid diarrhea to hear all about milk scours. What else? Yeah, so that's that. Oh, and I also tend to, like, we use beer bottles or, like, 12-ounce soda bottles, so I'm I'm not measuring with a measuring cup. I'm like, I know this beer bottle is 12 ounces, so it's, like, this much of the beer bottle is probably 8 ounces. It's very, like, I'm not good at, I would not be good at, like, baking where significant measuring is required. Um, yeah, so then what happens? So there, those are some reasons that passive transfer can be messed up. And I'm like, there's probably a slew of other reasons too. Like you don't, you know, mom dies during kidding. That, that's probably like the worst reason. And then you've got baby goats that, that need colostrum. So, you know, depending on the situation, can you get colostrum from that dam? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on the situation. Um, and then depending on the situation with the dam, can you safely feed that colostrum to the baby goats? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on the situation. Um, the So then how do you avoid these situations? Um like bad situations where you're like, I have this animal and it needs colostrum and I don't have any. What do you do about that? So first of all, I really recommend that everybody keeps some colostrum from 
the your herd ideally in the freezer um you want to like save a little bit of colostrum every year keep it in the freezer till next year and then like once you get through your first couple of kiddings replace it um in general it's recommended to like replace that frozen colostrum annually so you do that you do not have a stop sign we have the right of way you should go thank you um so keeping your own frozen colostrum is a good idea um if you um (laughs) if you have uh if you're in a pinch and then you need some colostrum you can get colostrum from another like do you have a goat friend who's kidding and who might have some colostrum to spare that's always like pretty good too you want to make sure that that colostrum is from a nice clean tested herd herd you feel very confident in um before you feed it to your goat kids because uh, you don't want to in, inadvertently bring something in. Colostrum from another farm should be treated in the same level of biosecurity as bringing another animal in from another farm. So then, um, next best thing, you know, goat colostrum, species-specific colostrum is, like, good. Um, if you are in a bind and you can check with your... Um, you can check with your vet and see if they have colostrum. Like, if you have a good, like, large animal facility or, like, mixed practice that is in a rural area that does a lot of dairy work, they may have either goat or cow colostrum that they keep for just such occasions. Um, and then the other thing is that, like, bigger cow dairies probably tend to keep some colostrum frozen, too, and they might be able to spare a little bit for some goats. Um, So then you're getting into, like, cow colostrum. And cow colostrum for goats is considered to be probably better than nothing. And I would pick it over, like, the colostrum replacer-type products that are out there. Uh, Like, you know, comes in a tube or something like that. I've never even bought one because I think it's probably not that useful um there's two different things out there you'll see on the shelf at like tractor supply or whatever and one is colostrum supplement probably and one is colostrum replacer um if you have access to nothing else i suppose giving a colostrum replacer is not going to hurt anything uh it might not help too much i would definitely be worried about that animal not having adequate um passive transfer of immunoglobulins because like how you know how long has that been sitting there how was it manufactured what kind of antibodies are in it it's not the antibodies from your farm uh so it's probably better than nothing uh there's probably not a goat one out there there's probably calf ones out there i don't know meh try to get some colostrum if you end up with a goat kid that has not had colostrum or for whatever reason has failure of passive transfer so failure of passive transfer is defined as the failure of that whole process that we've been talking about for the last episode and a half now um and it can be inadequate colostrum intake it can be adequate intake of inadequate colostrum um or it can be like uh, that thing didn't get any colostrum at all for whatever reason Uh, and then it has an immune system that is not ready to protect it for the next several weeks of its life while it develops its own antibodies its own response to the world as far as protecting it 
the so what what are you gonna do you're going to uh try to keep that thing protected as much as you can uh these these kids are particularly susceptible to uh navel ill and joint ill so uh umbilical infections and uh septic joints so bacteria is looking for places that it can get in the body the exposed umbilical cord is a really good place to do that uh we've probably talked about in the past like good practice for kidding management is to dip and tie off your umbilical cords um, with an iodine like a povidone iodine product we use a chlorhexidine product um, and we double dip and tie them off um, with dental floss with like the cheap wax dental floss that's my favorite um, and because you want to prevent bacterial contamination of that site it's a it's an open site if bugs get in that umbilical vessel they can just crawl right up it and crawl right into the inside of your goat kid and set up shop then if the goat if umbilical infections are often like a a place that those things can start from and then if they're setting up like a a septic condition where the bacteria now has access to the body that goat kid does not have adequate uh, protection from maternal antibodies and then the bugs are like all right let's go check it out and find a place to set up shop and for whatever reason they seem to think that the joints are a good place to set up shop I don't know what that's about. Um, There's not a lot of great, like, vascular supply in joints, like, in the joint capsules. And so maybe it's, like, once they get out there, it's kind of a, like, a protected place. Like, there's less, um, you know, whatever small amount of immune system protection that failure of passive transfer kid has, then it uh, is not going to, like, it's going to be focusing on the places that it can easily cover, not really so much the joints, because the joints are poorly protected from, you know, just, there's not a lot of blood flow in there, there's not a lot of flow of stuff in and out of there, so it's like a nice, quiet eddy on the side of the river where the bacteria can go and rest and cause problems. So then you can have, you know, septic, septic joints, uh, umbilical infections. Those have other vet words that I can't remember. It's like oomphalitis or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. The umbilical infection one has a really funny name. Um, and those kids need antibiotics. Um, if you are looking, like, if you are in a concerned place where you know or you feel very strongly that a goat kid had inadequate passive transfer, failure of passive transfer, then how can you check? You can check that kid's uh, serum total solids, so checking how much um, protein is in the blood, the, the liquid fraction of the blood. So that, or, or plasma total solids. Either way, um, you're looking for what is the, the total solids. So, so that's the proteins that are dissolved in that liquid non-cellular portion of the blood because the blood is made up of cells and platelets and it's all kind of mixed together. And um, But if you let blood sit, then the cells settle out to the bottom. So that's the idea there. The liquid part has the things suspended in it, the... Um, that are the antibodies, that are the albumin, the serum proteins, the all of that stuff. Um, so you can check that, and if the total solids is less than five, I want to say, that's considered uh, failure of passive transfer. And what do you do about it? Um, 
proactively, and I've never done this on a goat, honestly, because, like, I don't know. It's, like, it's the thing I said about foals and goats last time. Like, foals seem to want to have more problems and need things like plasma transfusions, where goats tend to do a pretty good job. If you had a goat kid that you're like, this is a million-dollar goat kid, and it has failure of passive transfer, and I want to do everything I possibly can to keep it healthy, you could talk about doing a plasma transfusion. So plasma transfusion, plasma, like I said, is the liquid component of the blood. Um including like the coagulation factors and whatnot. Um, so you can, I don't know if you can get goat plasma or you can get some from a goat that you have and take the cells out of it and spin them down and then give the plasma back. You could give a whole blood transfusion. Um, if I was dealing with a failure of passive transfer FPT situation, I'd probably just try to give the plasma cause that's the part that you're worried about. Um, and that's, you know, that's what they do in foals. You can get, like, bagged foal plasma because this is such a problem in foals. And you probably can get bagged goat plasma. I just don't know. Um, the commercial, if there is a, I'll, I'm going to Google because I don't even know. If I was in this in this situation, I'd probably, like, get some blood from one of my goats and spin it down and give it back. And there's risks associated with any time you're transfusing any type of blood products, mostly, like, massive... <laughs> systemic anaphylactic reactions those are bad um and i kind of laugh when i said that's kind of a morbid laugh because those are bad things to have happen um because if the thing can't tolerate getting some plasma from somebody else then that's a you know it's a problem it's got to be you know monitored very carefully while it's making its own immune system and, you know, I don't know that I'd give these prophylactic antibiotics if I was really concerned. I mean, sometimes you just, like, don't, you don't know until you're like, ooh, there's a little umbilical abscess or there's, a, um, you know, something that looks like septic joints. And we, you know, we need to treat those things. Those things are, you know, appropriately treated with antibiotics. So, yeah, what else was I going to say about this? Um, plasma transfusion, antibiotics. In my experience, small ruminants with joint ill tend to need antibiotics for a while. It's very annoying. Um, it's one of those things where if it's like if you don't treat it enough and you stop treating it too soon, it's going to come back. And that's a factor of those, like, joints being not really, like well um like well vascularized there's not a lot of like how is stuff moved around the body it's moved around by blood and then there's not a lot of blood flow in the joints so antibiotics are not moved in there that well just because of the way it is um i think you know it's like you talk all this time about like this is the thing and it's this big complicated thing and then you're like and this is the failure of the thing and it means that the, that big complicated thing didn't happen so um that's that's the deal so you try to make the the, the big complicated thing which is like what biology how biology made it happen sounds simple goat kids need colostrum um when you learn about it it's quite complicated and then when you learn about 
when it doesn't go wrong. It can be it can be a pain. Like I've seen goat kids like be septic basically um, when there's a systemic bacterial problem. Um, you know, it can, the bacteria can just travel all over the body and set up shop, and it's just like a it's like a shower spray of bacteria. Once they set up a place, then they kind of make a little colony, and then that little colony can break off. And like anything else. Um, you know, this is, this is very, can be very impressive in cattle with like shipping fever, um, like bacteria like sets up shop and then it breaks off and goes and sets up shop someplace else, like in the lungs or in the liver. And because those are very well vascularized areas and then it starts to set up all these like micro abscesses and then the abscesses become bigger and then they can dislodge and cause like really impressive bleeding events like liver failure you know like those are those are bad things to have happen um but you basically have a septic animal and you know it needs a lot of help so that's a kind of a a downer (laughs) to end on Uh, but like they said a couple times the good news is goats are pretty good at this um so you know, facilitate that uh, maternal transfer of passive immunity and transfer of passive transfer of maternal immunity. I don't know. Does it doesn't matter which wor- order I say those words in? I don't know. Um, but facilitating that and making sure it happens is like the most important things you can do. Shoot me emails or whatever with questions about this stuff, and I will try to clarify if I can. And aside from that, I think that's going to do it for the moment, and I will talk to you guys next time.